0: Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our Lord knows us well. And he knows that we often need a visual representation of a thing that he's explaining to us. We see that in his use of the parables now, here we see that to be so in describing a full armor of God. And here today, specifically with the breastplate of righteousness, we can visualize that. Our modern day soldiers and even our policemen wear a similar covering that protects their most vital of organs and especially their heart. And their breastplate is a vest made of Kevlar. But here in these words, God speaks to us about a different kind of breastplate. One that protects you and me from a whole other kind of attack. An attack that, while it often can become very physical, has its greater impact in in the spiritual realms. In those realms of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our spirit. And it involves spiritual warfare. And as we know, neither Kevlar nor any other of the modern protective devices can stand up to spiritual warfare. Those piercing attacks that come from the demonic world. I can recall an incident some years ago when I was sitting in a tree stand deer hunting, holding a large caliber hunting rifle in my hand. Suddenly I sensed the presence of a strong demon. It was still pitch black all around me. And I'd been thinking about and praying for several people when one young man came to my mind. There was a young man that I was sure had a demon in him. In that darkness, that young man's face appeared before me. Very clearly. And I knew right away that I was in the presence of a demon. And I had this high-powered rifle in my hand. But I knew that even the most powerful of guns was of no help against a demon. And I confess to you that I was in great fear. Great fear. I knew that my only help would come from God through prayer. And so... There in the darkness, I began to pray and pray and pray. And then just as suddenly as that demon came, he left. And I was at peace again. Our earthly weapons and defenses will never work against the demonic world. Because their weapons are not like ours. And yes, we may have to defend ourselves against some flesh and blood people who have become possessed with demons, and especially in the end times. But against those demons themselves, nothing that we have in this life is able to protect us. The demonic world uses spiritual weapons, and their attacks come to us, and they have to be countered, With spiritual defenses. And that's what God is speaking about here in the full armor of God. Now thus far in this study of the armor, we have put on the belt of truth. And now here today, we're being instructed to put on the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate, listen, that is made from the most powerful material in all of God's kingdom. A breastplate made from the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. And our breastplate needs that kind of strength because nothing short of the personal righteousness of Christ can provide protection that our heart will need to stay us through the battle that we encounter. And yes, there are other vital organs that our breastplate of righteousness will protect, but none so needful as our heart. That's because our heart has this special vulnerability and is especially susceptible to the kinds of attack that the devil will launch against us. Why is that so? It's because as we're told in Jeremiah 17, our heart has come to us already Teetering on the verge of collapse. A defect that is natural to our birth. Listen to these words from Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One of the diagnoses that I have heard our medical experts give when describing one of the problem conditions of a heart is that a person has a congenital heart defect. A congenital heart defect is a special abnormality in the structure of a heart that comes to a person at birth. May I say that while the diagnosis of a congenital heart defect is serious and foreboding. It's not nearly as serious and foreboding as the diagnosis about our heart that God is giving to us here in Jeremiah 17.9. The condition of heart that God is describing carries with it not only long-term life problems, but also eternal consequences. You and I come into this life burdened down by a sinful nature. A nature that is already bent in directions towards things that will get us into trouble. And our sinful nature seems to reside square within the middle of our heart. And again, note the special way that God describes the inclinations of our heart. He tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. Those words, deceitful and desperately wicked, they can't help but remind us of the nature of the prince of all sinners, the prince of demons, Satan himself. In Genesis 3, God describes Satan with these words. Verse 1 of Genesis 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Those words... Translated here as crafty. They can also be translated as cunning and subtle. And each of those words are essential elements of deceit and desperate wickedness. Our hearts seem to be perfectly matched with the same tendencies of Satan. And that's why we need a very, very strong measure of protection surrounding our hearts. Now, question, was mankind always afflicted in this way? Having hearts that were so accepting and receptive to sin? No, not the first man and woman. And I also have to believe the same is true for Satan. We're told that in the beginning, God created man in his own image with a heart that desires good and pure things. And I have to believe also the same for Satan because he began as one of God's most beautiful and powerful angels. He reigned with God, however long we don't know, doing wonderful things. But then somehow the negative side of free will began to exert its nature into the equations. First for Satan and then for Adam and Eve. And that was when everything changed. Everything changed. The once strong and faithful hearts of Adam and Eve weakened. And they became susceptible and receptive to the things and the ways of sin. And once they had stepped across that line, once they had given in to the temptation and sin, then a heart defect was formed within them. And from them then, it was passed along to every son and daughter since. To you and me. And we forever have to take that weakness into account as we walk through our day. Thankfully, God's heart does not have that same defect. Thankfully, His heart, especially the heart of the Lord Jesus, is strong, beyond measure, with a righteousness that is incorruptible. And in our salvation, God has imputed the righteousness that is in Christ over to us. Now, do we understand imputed righteousness? I confess that I don't. But I am thankful for it. And so as a part of our seeking to understand this breastplate of righteousness that you and I are to put on, I'd like for us to know a little more about the mind of God concerning righteousness. Concerning the righteousness of Christ. First of all, the word righteous is a legal word. It's a word that defines a condition of being. And it's a standard of perfection that reaches into every attribute of who a person is. It's a condition of perfection that is flawless and without any form or measure of impurity or wrongness against the laws of God. And that perfection extends then on out from whom a person is into all that a person does both in their thoughts and in their behaviors. Now such perfection as that is possible for only one. Only one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And His standard of righteousness is the only form of righteousness that's acceptable to Him and the only standard of righteousness that will allow you and me to enter in to the kingdom of God. And were it not for a precious plan that God put into place before the foundations of the world. Our sinful conditions of our hearts would condemn us and cause us to have to to cease to exist, leaving only one righteous one: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to remain. There'd be no one left. But thanks be to God, He did make this precious plan for you and me—the plan of redemption the plan that would allow all who would call upon His name and receive Him as Savior and Lord to also receive His perfect righteousness imputed into our souls and by His imputed righteousness then be able to gain eternal favor with Him and also entrance into the kingdom of God. But again, what is imputed righteousness? What what do those words mean? I found this definition in Elwell's Evangelical Dictionary. Listen to these words, and it's quite difficult in some ways to understand, but uh, bear with me. Imputed righteousness is a theological concept directly related to the doctrine of justification. Justification is that step in salvation in which God removes all vestiges of sin and guilt from a believer's heart by crediting the righteousness of Christ over to his account, judicially decreeing and declaring before the courts of God that the believer is righteous. I like that definition because it explains the necessity for our having to receive Christ's imputed righteousness. Not our own, but his imputed righteousness. And that's especially so when we think of the words that are given here in Romans 3. Listen to these words. Romans 3, beginning in verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. That is the desperate condition that we are born into. That's the way we come into this life. And we are completely unable by our own wits and our own abilities to change. Our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful even from that very first moment of birth. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, Jesus has solved that irreconcilable flaw in us. He has perfected our congenital heart defect by imputing His righteousness over into our account, over into our heart, into our soul, our mind, our spirit, and He has made us perfect in the sight of God, fully able to enter into the kingdom of God. So why then, if He has already done that, do we need to put on this breastplate of righteousness? Every day as we wake up, you and I are to put on this breastplate of righteousness to protect us. Why is that so? If we already have his imputed righteousness. It is because of the problem that I mentioned a moment ago. That of free will. Free will. We still have free will. And it can make very good choices. But it can also, as we know, make very bad choices. And then there's also, ever and always, the devil and this spiritual warfare that's being conducted against us. And the devil and his demons are diligent in plying their evil arts. So then, for as long as you and I remain in this flesh and our free will is being put to the test, God is here saying to us, Do that which the righteousness of Christ requires. Use your free will to put on this breastplate of righteousness. A follow-up thought. The necessity of putting it on every day. It seems akin to me to the command of God over in another portion of Scripture that says to us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because, yes, from the moment we're saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We receive His Holy Spirit and we're filled with His Spirit. And He continues to live within us every moment. But you and I know that manifest presence of the Holy Spirit seems to ebb and wane. Sometimes it's there in full and sometimes it's not. Depending on the strength or the weakness of our flesh at any given moment. And so God puts some responsibility back upon our shoulders. And He says as He does in putting on the breastplate of righteousness. He says, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to bow the knee and return your heart to me, he says, and I will fill you afresh with the Holy Spirit. And I will give you a greater manifest presence of my spirit. So then again, that is the way it is with full armor of God. Especially putting on this breastplate of righteousness. You and I have a responsibility. Unfortunately for most people who call themselves Christians, Sunday morning is about all they get of Christianity. But the Lord is saying to us, No, when you get up every day, I'm going to put a responsibility back on your shoulders. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to go to heaven. But I'm going to delegate some responsibility back to you that you are to put on this full armor of God. Why would He delegate responsibility back to us? It is because we are now His children. We are now sons of God, whether we be woman or man. We are sons of God. And as sons, we ought to do what sons ought to do. If we're members of the family, we ought to do what members of the family ought to do. As sons, we reign with Him as owners Of the kingdom. And as owners we ought to protect and to defend that which is ours. And we should drive out all the invaders that would dare set foot on our property. It's as simple as that. And again, we are fully equipped for the task. We have the righteousness of Christ dwelling within us. And we have to do that which we ought to do as sons of God. We need to put on that armor every day and we ought to stand out there in front and fully defend the kingdom of God and to drive out all those invaders that will come to us over from that evil realm. Now, before we close, I want to re-say some of the things I've said because some of this is heavy. The breastplate of righteousness protects and defends our spiritual heart. That mystical place within us out of which springs forth all of our responses of life, whether they be good ones or bad ones. And while, yes, our salvation has already been assured and we do have the righteousness of Christ within us and we've been declared righteous before the courts of God, your and my free will this very day will exercise itself will rear its uglier side of its head. You and I have to understand, we're not only a witness before God for ourselves, we're a witness to everyone else. And the question for you and me is, is the righteousness of, of Christ being witnessed in us before all those that we stand before? I call upon each of us to every morning as we rise up, don't underestimate this spiritual warfare. It really is real. It's taking place every moment of every day. And every part of who we are that we leave uncovered by that armor, Satan will surely attack. And we already have a weak and deceitful disposition. So you and I must be diligent to put on the protection of this breastplate of righteousness to cover us throughout the day. So then, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray.